Well, we are here to hear the word of our God. St. Paul begins today's passage by saying this, Owe no one anything except to love one another. Owe no one anything except to love one another. So the question is, what do you owe and whom do you owe that to? So owing love. People, there are people who take care of you, people who have loved you. Uh, yes, we owe those people love. Not only that, we owe them our gratitude and our appreciation. All the people who have helped you along the way, uh, people who care for you, people who sacrifice for you, we owe them. We owe them our gratitude. We owe them even our care, our resources. For example, our parents, as they age, we have to take care of them too. But is that it? Is that where it stops? What is St. Paul talking about here when he says, Oh, no one anything except to love one another? I believe St. Paul is talking about a different kind of love or a love beyond what we are used to. I think he's talking about a love beyond just what we owe to those around us. It's a love that goes beyond my own boundaries beyond those who've taken care of me. Love for those who aren't close to me. Love who have no connection to me. I think that sounds nice, but the reality is we ask ourselves, why should we love others who have nothing to do with me? That's the common question. They don't have anything to do with me. Why should I love them? Can't I just live my own life isn't it good enough just to not cause harm to others and just stay in my lane and do my thing? What is wrong with that? I mean, after all, the commandments that we see are about not doing harm to others. It's more of a, a passive, just don't do harm to others. Do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. Right? If you don't do those things, you're not going to harm other people. But Paul summarizes all these commandments in a more proactive way. Love your neighbor. All of these commandments are summed up in that. Love your neighbor. It's more action-oriented, more proactive. And as many of you know, Jesus himself, he expanded the definition of neighbor. Right? We all, a lot of you live in neighborhoods. You have neighbors. There are, there are those who live immediately near you. You say hi to them. Some of them you might even be friends with. And yes, we take care of our neighbors, right? That's what a neighborhood should do. That's a sign of a good, strong community. But Jesus turned that definition kind of on its head. Right? We all know the story of the Good Samaritan. Right? The good, uh, there was a Jewish man on the road to Jericho. He got beaten and uh, robbed and he was left half, half dead. But some of the people you think might have helped just passed on by, but it was a Samaritan person who came upon him. And for those who know the context, the Samaritans and Jews, they were, they were pretty much, they hated each other. You would never expect a Samaritan to come to the help of a Jew, but it was, among all, all people, it was a Samaritan who helped him out. And so Jesus turned the definition on his head. Your neighbor is not just someone who is close to you. In, but we are called to be a neighbor to those who need our help, regardless of whether they're your friend or not. 
Jesus expanded definition of who we are to love. We are simply to love those who need our help, regardless of whether they are in our inner circle or not. Why did uh, Jesus do this? You know, we have to ask ourselves, Jesus' teachings, uh, if you really think about it, they are very countercultural. They're very uh, subversive in many ways. So we have to ask, why do we need to do that? Why is Jesus telling that? Yes, for sure. Uh, we need more compassion in this world. There's a lot of people who need help. So for that reason, yes, uh, more people should be helping those in need. But I don't think it's only for the sake of those who need help. I think Jesus said this, for the sake of those giving the help. At the end of the day, I think as much, if not more, than the one receiving help, it is the one giving the help who is blessed all the more. In the process of loving others, we become more blessed. And that's what mission is all about. That's why uh, the church is called to go out, to be sent. It's about going beyond people that I know. It's about connecting with those I have no relationship with. Just think about it. We don't really owe them anything if I don't know them, right? But we go to love them nonetheless. And in the process of doing so, I become blessed. That is what the team that went to Sioux Valley in the summer experienced. Apart from the songs that June and Sarah, none of us knew them. We had no relationship with them. We had nothing to do with them. But we went with a call to just love them nonetheless. So we went. We had a good time, lots of fun experience. We were trying to love them. And I think they were blessed too by our presence. But more than that, I think it was us. Who, was, who were more blessed. We were filled. We even experienced our own healing, our own reflection about our own life. Our lives were expanded. So you know what? You can live your life owing nothing to anyone. I think that's kind of a mantra too. That's the goal, it seems. If you, if you look on social media, I mean, it's just... You want to be able to get to a place where I don't owe anyone anything. I can just do me and you can do you and let's be happy. Right? That's the, the going way. So you can do that. And you can live very comfortably and safely and with just the people that you like, that you choose, that you know. That's what our uh, society has become. You know, we become, a, we can choose. You can unfriend someone you don't want to talk to. think you will, if you do that, you can be comfortable, but you're going to miss out on so much in life. You know, there's a saying, FOMO. Don't you have FOMO? Everyone has FOMO, right? Fear of missing out on parties and on these invitations. But let me tell you the biggest FOMO you should have. You are going to miss out on so much in life by just staying within your comfortable zone. There will be no new our deeper connections with others, you're going to miss out on new experiences and you're going to stay stuck where you are, stay small. I think that's part of the issue. I mean, our society and a lot of us, our world is so affluent, the corner of the world we live in. We have so much abundance. 
I mean, I can't even decide what to watch on TV because there's just too much. When Netflix first came out, it was amazing, right? Uh, but now it's just, oh my goodness, how am I going to choose? But in the midst of all this abundance in our comfort, I think we become bored. Not just bored. We've lost any sense of meaning, any sense of purpose. This all has to do with, because we are able now to stay comfortable, but in our comfort, we're kind of dying away. We're losing out on so much. Loving those that we owe nothing to expands who we are. It enriches life. It brings joy, satisfaction, and fullness. So you know what a spiritual person is? A spiritual person is one who can love those whom they owe nothing to. Okay, that is a definition of a spiritual person. It's not necessarily just about praying hard, fasting, doing all these like religious things. No, those are, those are good things to do to ask God to shape our hearts so that I can become a more loving person. Not just for those who have been nice to me, but so I can love unconditionally. That's why Jesus even said to love even your enemies, to love those who have even hurt me. I mean, that's a, that's a very spiritual person. Who can really do that? It's the hardest thing to do. That is who our Lord Jesus Christ was. He is someone who loved those. He didn't owe it to anyone, but he gave of himself in love for them. That is the Lord we follow. That is the Lord we pray to be shaped like, to become like. But it is the hardest thing to do. It's the most unnatural thing to do. As a physical, biological human beings, that's very unnatural. And we cannot just will ourselves to love like this. There has to be some real change in your heart. And something has to change in how you see other people too. First, you have to even learn to see people. God gave the Israelites this commandment when they uh, were about to enter the promised land. You shall also love the stranger, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. Love the stranger. I mean, I want us to really get our minds that we hear these things a lot if you come to church, right? But uh, uh, think about the reality. Love the stranger, okay? If there's someone passing by in the street and they actually need help, that's a stranger, right? This commandment was given to the Israelites after they escaped slavery in Egypt. So right from the beginning of their uh, history as a people, this is, commandment is baked into uh, the way they're supposed to live. Why did they receive this command? Where did this come from? The commandment arose from the memory of their own suffering, their own experience as strangers in a foreign land. That's where it arose from. But not just suffering. See, a lot of, a lot of us, uh, we can have experienced suffering. We can remember that. But that's not all that they remembered. They also remembered how God came and rescued them. That is what they remembered. 
They remember their suffering, but they remember that in the midst of their suffering, there was a God who came to deliver them, a God who led them, a God who shepherded them into a new place and a new land. Uh, the Israelites, they had been through so much, suffering under the yoke of slavery, being lost and directionless in the wilderness for over 40 years, facing an uncertain future. But when they looked back, they remembered God who loved them, who was faithful and had been with them the whole time. Remembering God's love for them opened their hearts to love the stranger. Life is filled with difficulties and uh, suffering. We cannot escape it. I think now in our modern times, we try to inoculate ourselves. We try to control it so that uh, these pains of life, can be, we can be shielded from them. We want to shield our children from all hardship too. We want to protect ourselves. We invest. We do all sorts of things, thinking that maybe, just maybe, if I'm lucky, I can avoid the bad fates of life. The reality is, life is what it is. We don't have total control. It's an illusion. Many of you have faced, many of you are facing difficult challenges and circumstances. Our heart aches at the things going on in life. I'll tell you this, I mean, we come to church together with smiles on our faces, but I know every single person faces their own deep worries, their concerns, the things that weigh upon your hearts, things that maybe only you know. The important thing is not whether we can avoid these things. The question is what our attitude is and how we deal with them. If you feel like you've had to just bear everything, deal with everything on your own, just through your own sheer will, do everything, that there is no one to help me, I had to make it my own way, if that's how you perceive and interpret everything that's happened, then yeah, you will feel like you don't owe anything to anyone because it was all me. But if you can see that you've been helped when times were difficult, that will change how you think and how you live. When you see that you've been helped along the way, then your heart starts to become filled with gratitude. And that gratitude is the prerequisite of an open heart that welcomes others. You know, on Friday night, I, uh, I went to a gathering. Uh, uh, it's my once a year kind of cameo thing because uh, I'm, I'm in ministry now. I have no time. So this is my, there's a, uh, the Osgood Hall Law School Korean Law Students Association, uh, uh, students and alumni. So my friend hosts it every year. So he makes us all go uh, once a year. And it's, it's a nice network. We started this 20 years ago. I'm getting old, you know. 
but the main purpose really was uh, to just support one another. Because, I mean, that uh, any profession, but it's such a competitive field. Uh, first year law school, especially, so stressful. It just uh, it eats away at you. And so this was a space where a, we can put that aside and just support one another. Where seniors and alumni can come listen and say, yeah, I've been through it. I understand. Let me help you. So uh, as we go around and introduce everyone, especially the alumni, they talk about their favorite memories just being this group and how supportive it was and how much it helped them along the way. When we know that we've been helped along the way, it creates a heart that wants to in turn help others. That's why it's a beautiful, 20 years later, it's a beautiful tradition of people, one person being helped and then helping those who come after. When you know that uh, you have been helped, your heart has gratitude and a heart is open. My friends, life is challenging. And I, was, I preached with, to the KSM, the Korean service this morning too, and there was a lot more elderly. So I shared with them, sometimes, and I, they can really relate to this, but even I, I reflect on this. Sometimes I wonder how we made it here today. How we have come to this place. You have made it. You are here. You are still standing. That is reason to rejoice and be grateful. Don't take life for granted. You know, on my vacation, I think I shared uh, when I my first Sunday back, but... Uh, I attended uh, uh, some online services for uh, some African-American like Baptist churches. And, you know, in the opening call to worship, they call it the invocation. Uh, there's a prayer. And uh, the first service, the prayer was something like this. Dear Lord, you know, we thank you for allowing us to wake up today. Right? We thank you for uh, another day where we can have breath. So I was like, I thought, oh, that's a cool way to phrase it. And then I watched another service. It was almost the same kind of language. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to wake up today. Thank you for breath I have, and thank you for another day to worship you. And a few services I watched, they all had similar kind of, and then I realized they do not take life for granted, right? The truth is, like, if you're a black male, you can go out on the streets jogging and at the store get shot. So they don't take life for granted. And definitely in Sioux Valley, where we went, you cannot take life for granted. I shared uh, in the report that all these uh, gravestones, so young, right? you cannot take life for granted. The thing is, through all the difficult times, God has led you. God has been with you. That is why you are here today. There were times when we were down and out, but God helped you. There were times where we felt, oh, how can I keep carrying on? I just want to quit. God sent people like angels to support you, to encourage you, to lift you up. There were times where you just wanted to throw in the towel, but God gave you the strength to keep carrying on. God was with us. Not just that, God helped us even when we were strangers to God. Not just strangers, but even enemies of God. When we were selfish, God still helped us. When we were cold, mean, and unloving, God still loved us and helped us. When we were sinning and doing all sorts of wrong and evil things, 
God still loved us and helped us. That is the confession and proclamation of St. Paul when he says this in Romans. God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were doing everything against God's will, God was still loving us and still reaching out to us. There is nothing that we did to warrant God's love. Look at the world we live in. There is nothing that humanity does to warrant God's love. But God has chosen to reach out to us. That is the love that God has for us. We are all here by God's grace. God's grace. When we live in God's grace, and God's love fills us and flows out from us. Then it becomes no longer you who decides to love, actually. It is God's love that flows out from you to others. So then loving others is simply that, flowing out of God's love that is filled within me. Friends, every day, we need to live in the goodness of God's love. That goodness that has carried you and that will continue to carry you. Start every day thanking God for his goodness. Thank him every day for this brand new day. Another day to learn how to love. Another day for the goodness to flow in my life. nice, right? St. Paul gives us a warning in today's passage. You know what time it is, how it is already the moment for you to wake from sleep. The night is far gone, the day is near. My friends, the time to love is now. It's not tomorrow, it's not next week, I know you're all so busy with so many things. We have so much on our plates. I'm not looking ahead to September as my kids are in school now and we have to decide, oh, which program to put. It is crazy life. But the time to love, my friends, is not tomorrow, next month, next year, or when I retire. It is now. We should never take life for granted. When we do die, I, I, I pray uh, that we can all live a healthy, long life. Yes. That's why I approached Hyung to be an informal fitness consultant for me because I want to redevelop my baseball muscles. That was my first goal. Second goal is good health so I can be spiritual clarity. But first is baseball muscles, right? Yes, we need to be healthy. But when you die, it's not the number of years that you live that matters. St. Paul, we don't know exactly when he died. We don't know exactly how old he was. That really doesn't matter. What matters is what he left behind. He left behind for us beautiful words that became the word of God for us. I mean, these words are giving us life today. What a precious gift to the world. That's what matters. Friends, what matters 
It's what you leave behind, not the length of life that you live. There was a psychologist, some of you know him, Viktor Frankl. He was a Jewish psychologist, and uh, during World War II, he was sent to the concentration camps. 